I Do Podcast, Episode 20. Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. Do you have a topic that you'd like to hear more about or a relationship question you'd like answered? Email us at info at idopodcast.com and we'll be sure to add it to one of our upcoming episodes. We're very excited to introduce our guest today, Dr. Mary Jane Rogers. Hi, Mary Jane. Hi. Good morning. How are you guys this morning? Great. Great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Dr. Mary Jane Rogers is an exercise physiologist specializing in whole person wellness and fitness education and instruction. As an educator, Mary Jane brings multidimensional wellness and fitness experiences along with a welcoming and genuine teaching style to inspire students and wellness enthusiasts of all ages. Dr. Rogers is the owner of Profound Wellness LLC. As a wellness authority, Dr. Mary Jane provides expert commentary for radio, television, and publications such as Shape and Self Magazines in the Wall Street Journal. We've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. That's a great question, and something happened to me a few years ago. I had some sort of epiphany. One of my um, passions in life, as you noted from the bio, is um, the idea of wellness and what that means in people's lives. And oftentimes when we think about wellness, we get focused on things like diet and exercise and beauty and, you know, various things like that. And it occurred to me a few years ago that really to be well to have a sense of well-being in your life, in your community, with your family, that having a healthy relationship is instrumental of that. It's sort of like the pebble in the pond. So your most primary relationship in your life, which is um, typically your love partner, that impacts how you relate to the rest of the world to your children, to your, the rest of your family, your community, your job. And those are the things that further relate to the stress in your lives and how you then approach wellness in the rest of your life. So your love relationship, your primary relationship in your life is instrumental to your overall wellness and well-being. I love that. And I'm sure that you'll have a lot of great tips to apply to our topic today <laughs> of tips for dating a single parent. And right. according to the U.S. Census, in 2010, there were close to 12 million single-family households in America, and surely they're going to be looking to date each other. So, um, yeah, we, we can't wait to get into this. It's an important topic. So many people are, if you find, if you look at the different um, dating sites, you know, all of the different electronic uh, e-dating sites, there are so many people out there with children who are trying to find partners. And uh, it's really important as we look uh, for a, a significant other in our lives that we consider how the relationship with our children is going to impact that. 
In one of the articles that we found that was uh, very interesting, it had a lot of great tips for somebody dating a single parent. One of the first tips you mentioned is ask yourself if you're willing to be in a relationship with somebody who has children. Right. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that? I don't know. Um, do you guys have any any colleagues or peers that are single parents with children or who might be looking to date someone who has a child? We don't, but my parents were divorced, and uh, so I saw it firsthand from both yeah. of them dating. Right, and so there are some people, you know, you meet one another maybe in the workplace or in, in uh, at a social gathering or something like that. You're attracted to that person. You know, you're both single. You're thinking you might want to take that a step further. But if you're somebody uh, for whom children isn't really part of your your future plan. Maybe you don't even, there are people out there who don't really even like kids. <laughs> so then, then if you're one of those people, then don't even go there with a single parent because it's not going to work for you. It's not going to work for the single parent. And, and it's certainly not going to be a positive experience for the child. Absolutely. The next tip that you, you give is checking your, your neediness, how much you, how much attention you need from your partner. Right. I think one of the things um, that that single parents find, uh, I, I guess it's true, okay, this is probably true of, of people who don't have children as well. You have to know how much uh, attention you're going to require from your partner. Parents, by definition, need to have, they have to devote a certain amount of time to their children. They have to devote, devote physical time and emotional time and energy. And as you know, in relationships also demand that sort of time and energy. Oftentimes in relationships, the person who is, does not have a child finds themselves feeling um, left out or like the parent with the child isn't paying enough attention to them, they're giving too much attention to the child, and why aren't they paying attention to me in, in our relationship? And the it's the simple fact of having children, they're going to take your time and energy. So if you're going to be, if you're interested in being in a relationship with someone who has children, you have to be able to accept that, and you have to kind of be able to accept that those children are probably going to be the most important people in that person's lives for, for a long time. And you'd almost, you know, as a partner, expect that and want that from the other parent, that they have that much attention on their children. Correct. If, you're, if you've answered the first question, yes, you like children, <laughs> then, then yes, then you would want to say, well, this is, this is the kind of person I want to be with. I want to be with someone who cares about their child and wants to nurture their child and, and puts their children first. And that's a, that's a really great point to make, Sarah, to, to ask yourself, yeah, that is the kind of person I want to be with, and I admire and respect that person for their devotion to their, their responsibility, which is their children. And that leads us into the next topic of the article is knowing the boundaries in regards to the children. So you've decided you like kids, and you are setting up the boundaries and right. and you got to know them. Right. Well, um, as you probably know, that oftentimes parents, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but oftentimes parents have rules that they expect their children to follow. 
um, depending on the age of the child. And that could have to do with, you know, what what mealtime is like, what types of nutrition they allow uh, for the, in the household or for their children, bedtimes. Um, they might not feel comfortable having guests over on certain days of the week or if you're someone, you know, who likes to have a late-night guest, that may not work when there are children in the household. Um, so you, you have to re- remember that just by definition as a parent, you have a certain sort of style of parenting and boundaries that have been set for the children. And if you're going to be involved in that family dynamic, you may have to accept, first of all, you will have to accept those boundaries. And secondly, you may have to conform to them Mm -hmm. also. For example, if it's a a meal, a food type issue, and and the, the... a single parent and their child are used to a certain type of dietary restriction and you come over for dinner, that's probably going to be what you're going to have as well. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's some great tips. Another tip is to carefully observe. So, I don't know. This is something that you may have noticed even if you're a people watcher in the grocery store or at an airport or any of those great places where you can uh, watch people. Um, you, you can observe how various people parent their children. And we as adults have our own ideas about how children should be parented. And those usually come from the way we were parented for some reason or another, for some experience we may have had in our past. So sometimes when you're with someone who's a single parent, you may notice that their parenting style is really not something that you feel comfortable with. And um, you may really care about this person, but if you're going to be in a long-term relationship with this person and you don't agree with their parenting style, that's not going to work long-term. You're not going to change that person. They'll end up resenting you for for wanting to change them, and it creates confusion and and sort of resentment in in the household. Mm -hmm. So it's important that if, if you've, again, gone this far, you've decided you like kids, you've decided you can deal with the the idea that the parent is going to devote a a lot of time to their children, and you've accepted the boundaries, but you just can't stand the way they handle their children in difficult environments or in public or whatever it might be. Parenting always uh, presents a lot of various issues that are having to be dealt with. If you can't can't help, if you if if your input isn't helpful and you feel uncomfortable about the way the person parents, it's better to just not get involved with that. Would it ever be appropriate to talk to your partner and say, I love you, but these things that you do really, I don't agree with. Can you do that as somebody addressing a single parent or is that just crossing the line? Oh, no, I I think that's a really good point, Sarah. I think if you're in, if you've gotten to the point where you're in, you're far enough down the road in the relationship where you really care about this person and this would be somebody you really would like to have a long-term relationship with, um, I would I would imagine that um, these situations, you know, where you're concerned about parenting style are few and far between. And in that situation, I really do think that you can say, well, 
you know, you were kind of harsh in that situation, or, you know, do you really think you should have given in to them? They're just, it seems like when you do that, they behave, you know, it, they behave badly or it, it encourages or influences a bad behavior. And if you can get to a place where you can have a, a sort of a compassionate, non-confrontational communication with somebody along those lines, I think that would be terrific. I guess when when I mention this about uh, carefully observing, there are those situations where, from the get go, you go you say to yourself, "Oh, you know, that makes me really uncomfortable. I I don't want to be around parents and children who interact that way or allow that kind of behavior or those kinds of things." Um, is that a reasonable distinction, mm-hmm. you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also something good to address if you plan on possibly having kids with that person in the future. You kind of have to align yourself in with the same values. Absolutely. That I think that that's a, a really good point because oftentimes, to your point, single parents are not just parents of children who are not going to have children anymore. They may want to come together and have children of their own. So exactly, to your point, um, defining your values in terms of raising a family would be critical. Excellent. And now we're going to talk more about relating to the kids, and and you talk about being authentic. Can you expand on that? Sure. And and you might have some insight on this as well, Chase, being a, a child of divorced parents. But as children, children are, you know, what as we grow up, from being from childhood to adult, we we sort of get we we um, develop filters, you know, and we don't really see as clearly. But children can really see through a lot of a lot of the the um, nonsense that adults um, possess. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you ever experienced this uh, with your with your folks, Chase, but you know, kids can tell if there's some some stranger at the door who's trying to be just super nice to the kids and doesn't seem authentic in any way or, you know, they're just very, very upbeat and laughing or they want to do whatever they can to appease the child. And kids really get that. Kids understand that adults are supposed to be adults and they're not meant to be necessarily their best friend or their buddy when they're little kids. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it develops a trust issue for the child because when the child can see that, you know, this person isn't being themselves, there's something that, that this person is covering up with their behavior, then then you lose um, trust in that individual and I think also in your parents' judgment. You know, what is my mom or dad doing with that person? Yeah. <laughs> Does that ever happen to you, Chase? No. Luckily, you know, my parents are pretty grounded, I guess, and and I was fortunate that they they did date a few people. Both my my mom's remarried, my dad's been in several long-term relationships, but the point of being authentic, I any of you single parents out there, the kids will see right through it. So, <laughs> I mean, definitely uh, agree that we have a a really good filter on it. And then one thing is that the the kids are very um What's the word I'm looking for? Attached or um, take ownership of their parent. So particularly like 
me being a, a male, it was towards my, my dad a little bit and my sister towards my mom um, uh-huh. with who she was dating. And, and she – it's funny. He's my stepdad now. But like when when they first started dating, he's a, a amazing guy, great guy. But she gave him so much hell. Like it was right. – <laughs> and, and, and that's like the whole protect – that's the word I was looking for, protective. And, right. And uh, that's definitely something – uh, I'm sure you talk about a lot, but that that was kind of a big issue. Was that my sister uh, is again? She's not a, a she's not mean at all. Super sweet, but very protective. of My mom. She was in her younger teenage years, and she just gave him so much uh, right. stress, and because they're protective of her parent. Right, and I think also teens are special. That's an that's an interesting time because that's a hard time for parents and children anyway. And then, um, and you know, I don't. You can you can remember when you were that age. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough age. Yeah. And then when you add that that poor extra person in the mix, that really adds a, a lot to the to some of the friction that's going on at that time. I had the same situation. My mother was um, getting remarried about the time I was that age, and I was the same way. I gave him a really really hard time, and you know, down the road we became really really close and good friends. Um, and, and he was a very important person in my life. So, um, you know, again, back to the person who's dating the single person, having patience, <laughs> yeah. you know, is really important as well. And appreciating feelings of reservation that the children may have. You have to, you have to understand that that may be something that you come across. Right, exactly, to the next point. And I think that that's to that point of being uh, protective of your parent is and just you know, who is this new person in our mix? And this is the way our families have been, you know, been for the last however period of time. And who is this new person coming in and changing things up? And and change is hard for everybody. And if you're the new person coming in, just recognizing that that's going to be tough for the kids and having having the patience to deal with that, I think is going to be very helpful. And then you talk about enjoy. Well, the thing is, if you again, if if you if you like kids, if you uh, want to be involved in a family or want to grow a family with someone, um, I think children bring so much joy to our lives, and um, they really open our eyes in a way that we forget as we age. If we can, if once we're around children and we can re- relearn the innocence of youth and the fun of playing and the fun of growing up and experiencing new things, we have just an opportunity to enjoy life with them and through their eyes. And it, it, it is a type of relationship that's going to be with you for the rest of your life and I think be very fulfilling for the rest of your life. Well, that's some great advice, and I think uh, I think our listeners will really be able to relate to that. And uh, I'm just going to go over a quick recap of those tips again before we move on. Okay. The first one is ask yourself if you're willing to be in a relationship with somebody who has children. Check your neediness. Know your boundaries. Carefully observe. Be authentic. Appreciate feelings of reservation. And then finally, if all those are, you agree with all those, just enjoy your relationship uh, with the children and your partner. That's right. Great. Well, what's one thing or one common reason couples struggle in their relationship? 
You know, I think, isn't that the million-dollar question? (laughs) I really believe that communication is paramount to a relationship. And I think, um, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this, I just feel that one of the things we forget to do when we meet someone and, you know, we have that fantastic attraction and, and we end up becoming a couple is we've, we don't learn how to communicate. And I think that having the ability to do that uh, with um, patience and compassion can help smooth out a lot of problems in relationships. And that that kind of follows right into how can you prevent those struggles. Mm-hmm. And I really think learning how to talk to one another is, is an important piece of that. Absolutely. Communication. Yeah, it's huge. No matter, you know, today's topic, single dating a single parent or really anything we're talking about, planning a wedding, all of our experts, <laughs> yeah. nine times out of ten, it comes down to proper communication that's in relationship i think just life in general business school um it's it's work yeah i mean it's so so important i think so in all relationships now we are going into the his and her round where sarah and i each ask a question that's on our minds okay all right well i'll go first okay when you're dating somebody, uh, when is the appropriate time for you to introduce that your new partner or the person you're dating to your kids? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think that, again, a lot of this depends on the age of your child. Um, we talked that we touched on that briefly before. You know, if, if your child isn't old enough to have a conversation or to be really aware then I think that that really depends on your um, how comfortable you are with this person. Have you you know have you um, kind of done your your due diligence? You know that they're they're a safe, honest person with integrity, and you're willing to bring them into the mix with your your littlest, your little one. And of course, you're going to do that at any age. But I think when when kids are so small that they're really not in tune to what's going on, I think it's less um, invasive, I guess is the word I'm looking mm-hmm. for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. As kids get older and they, they you know, they have that attachment or that protective um, position that you were mentioning, Chase, uh, with their parent, then, then you have to be a little bit more careful and, and you have to make sure your kids... Um, feel sort of ready for you to see someone else or at least are aware that you're ready to see someone else. And you can sneak up on those kinds of things by, you know, um, having healthy communication with your child and it, and it should be age appropriate. But it could be something as simple as, you know, I met someone at the office today. He seems like a very nice man or she seems like a very nice woman. You know, to kind of tiptoe into the idea with the child that, that, you might be interested in someone other than their other parent. And as and I think if we if you're a parent and you put that shoe on the other foot when your child starts dating, you want you would want them to have that type of conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So right? Yeah. So so you don't want all of a sudden your your teenager to come home and say, "Oh, I'm uh, I've been seeing someone for 6 months and we decided to elope or something like." <laughs> right? 
So you want to have that same sort of um, relationship with your with your situation and your child that you would, would expect of your teenage child growing up. So um, kind of tiptoeing into it, letting them know that you're you're interested, and um, kind of letting them feel that there's that you're reaching out to someone other than their other parent. And um, then I think it's sort of an age appropriateness, and I think you want to make sure that they um, have the opportunity when they meet someone. It doesn't have to be a family date. It can be, you know, the person is. If you're a woman and the person is picking you up at your home, that they're introduced to your child and that sort of thing, and gradually increase the amount of time you spend together and kind of feel out the relationship between the two and um, kind of work into it from that perspective. I would say like tiptoeing into ice water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great advice. My question is: is if you're together with this person and you guys are in love, doing great, but the kids are just not liking it. You know, they're given all sorts of problems. Rebelling, rebelling is a good word. Um, what's one tip to sort of try to deal with that? Well, I think from the child's perspective, um, I think the child needs to be reassured that this person is not taking you know, their place in your heart, that your child is always going to be, you know, paramount in your life and in your heart and in your emotions, and that the fact that you're spending time with someone else um, doesn't impact your love for them, that you still love them fully, and despite their rebellion or their acting out. Um, And I think that the child needs to also be aware that this is also part of that communication piece, that you're a grown-up and that this is part of um, an important health health and wellness issue for you, that it makes you happy to be with someone that you care about. And this is a long-term relationship that uh, will last, hopefully, past the time when they're, they've grown and had their own children. So it's allowing your child to see you as a human and as an individual as well, which is really hard for children. And I think the third piece is I think the child also has a lot of allegiance to the other parent. So, you know, the parent, let's say it's the mother who's dating someone, the child may feel like, well, what about my poor father who's not dating somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and feel sort of conflicted because they feel uh, that they need to protect the parent who's not in a relationship. So I think there's that those are avenues of communication that are really important to, to take on. Uh, it's challenging, depending on the age of the child, but again, within, in an age-appropriate way to let them know that they are um, loved, un- unconditionally loved, and that this person doesn't um, affect that, and that they're... Um, that you are a human being too and that that you really like this person and they make you happy and that what's going on with the other parent that that person's going to be okay that they are going to be help, happy too and that you're not taking away from their happiness by pursuing your own happiness those are great points i can definitely relate from firsthand experience so i'm sure there's a, a lot of people out there who be able to apply that 
Now it's time for our favorite part of the interview, the lasting love round. We'll ask you a series of questions and you'll respond with great information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship. Great. We love it. Our listeners love it. So, Mary Jane, are you ready to help us build lasting love? I'm ready. All right. What's one thing couples can do on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? I think it's really great, first of all, that you're interested in doing something on a daily basis to help (laughs) your relationship. Um, Because a lot of times we get into a relationship and we forget that we need to put energy into it. Um, So my, my one tip would be to find a way daily to acknowledge the other person. And that might be um, from the standpoint of showing appreciation for something that they've done or for who they are or um, how they look or what they've done. Find one thing at least, at least one, every day. Find one way to acknowledge that person in a positive way. Love it. Is there a book or resource you can recommend for couples? There are, are several. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> One of them, I don't know if you guys have read this. Have you read Commitment by Elizabeth Gilbert? Nope, not yet. No. She was Eat, Pray, Love author. Oh, okay. He wrote a book called Commitment, and um, I actually... I'm saving it uh, for my daughter. When she gets to that point, I'm hoping that she'll read it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good one. There's another one called Relationships by Neil Donald Walsh, and he's the guy who wrote the series of books, um, the Conversation with God books, okay. and that's a really nice book as well. There's a really important book for relationships, and it's called Words Can Change Your Brain. And what it talks about and what it teaches you to do in that book is it teaches you that very, very important communication piece that we talked about earlier, the, w- the way to have a, a healthy, kind, compassionate communication with someone. Because when you have issues, you've got to be able to talk through it, and this teaches you how to do that. And the last one is called the Kosher Sutra. It's written by a rabbi. His name is Shumli Boutich, or Boutich, I guess is how you pronounce it. Um, but that, that one talks about the all-important aspect of um, healthy sexual relationships. And um, sometimes sex is an important, uh, it's one of those things that, that couples have problems with. Mm-hmm. And this, this is one of those books that kind of addresses that from a really healthy wellness perspective. So there's a list of, of reading material for you. That's great. Well, all those those four books will be on our website at idopodcast.com on your show notes page. So our listeners can go there and, and check out all those awesome recommendations. They're great. Well, we're getting married this year. Is there any advice you would give engaged couples or newlyweds? Mm-hmm. And this goes back to the, the common thread that we've talked about um, throughout the interview, and that is to learn to talk to one another. Um, it goes back to the book I mentioned, Words Can Change Your Brain, because we forget how much power our words have. And sometimes we say things or we, we say things with a certain tone to the person we love, and we don't realize how impactful that is and how um, the words we choose and the way we say them can um, influence 
um, our our relationship, both either positively or negatively. And not only that, but look fast forward about 50 years from now. Hopefully, you'll still be together. You know, one of the most important things that you're going to need to be able to do is talk to one another. How oftentimes do you see couples in restaurants that they both are reading yeah. a newspaper yeah. in front of their face? They never say a word to each other. Yeah, That's really sad mm-hmm. that, that they've been together for so long they have nothing else to say to one another. So I, I'm going to say the answer to that question is learn to talk to one another. If you could give just one single piece of advice for a successful relationship, what would it be? I think one of the things, uh, of course, we've we've sort of um, talked a lot about this communication piece, mm-hmm. but another interesting thing to think about is remember who your primary relationship is. So oftentimes in relationships, we get you know, bogged down with, oh, I can't pay attention to my relationship right now because I'm really busy at work, or I can't pay attention to my relationship right now because I'm really busy with children, or I can't pay attention to this person right now because I've got XYZ going on. And I think it's really important to remember that you've chosen this person as your mate, that's your primary relationship in your life, and and you you can't put it on the back burner that relationship needs to be remembered and be on the front burner all the time so that when you're making decisions about your work, your children, the other things in your life, you're remembering, I have to remember this relationship. This is part of how I, how I make decisions about the rest of my life. Well, that's great. And we've really enjoyed hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners today. So let's finish by telling our listeners where they can find you and then we'll say goodbye. Oh, sounds good. You can find me at drmaryjane.com. Perfect. Easy Very, enough. Very <laughs> <it's> easy. <laughs> Great. Well, our listeners can find all the information and links of today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And thank you very much for all the generous knowledge and for taking the time to come on our show today. Thanks, you guys, and my very best to you in your engagement and your marriage. Good luck. Do you have a topic that you'd like to hear more about or a relationship question you'd like answered? Email us at info at idopodcast.com and we'll be sure to add it to one of our upcoming episodes.